Amen. Thank you, Sandy. Uh, my name is Brian Oster. Uh, we are married, and uh, in my former life, uh, did we send the kids off to kids' ministry? Gone already. Perfect. Oh, kids, you can head off to kids' ministry. There you go. All right. Uh, so in my former life, I uh, worked with college students, helping them think about their spiritual lives. And, uh, you know, there was a couple years there where we had almost every week, we had somebody saying, I want to follow Jesus. It was a super exciting time, a lot of fun. And one of the things that the students would tell me about their experience and what they appreciated about our community that we had was that they were able to ask questions. And they, would, they could wrestle with those questions, uh, in part because we practice something called the inductive Bible study method. Now, that doesn't really matter uh, today, but instead of using a guide, if you've ever been a part of a small group, there's maybe a guide that you know, kind of leads you through, and they have sort of some ideas about where you might go or some ideas about what you know, the, they want to teach you. We practice this method where we would teach students to make observations in the text. So notice some things, and then out of those observations, they would ask questions. They would come up with things like, well, what does this mean? Or what's the author trying to say about this? How does this connect with that? Anything was fair game. And uh, then the group, after coming up with a list of all those questions, would try to answer those questions with what the Bible would say. Now, it requires a lot more from the leader, but people got to wrestle with their questions instead of somebody else's questions. And they loved it. And I think the reality is that few of us want to be told what to believe. We want to discover it for ourselves. And in today's passage, we're going to wrestle with why some people believe and others do not. It's part of our Believe series in the Gospel of John. And in many ways, chapter 12, uh, which is what we're going to be in today, is a summary of what we've been talking about in chapters 1 through 11. Jesus has been performing many, many miracles, and yet some of the people believed and other people didn't. So if you have a Bible and you want to open it up to John chapter 12, we're actually going to be in verse 37. If you have our app, I actually set it up so that you should just be able to go to the app and tap on the today's Bible passage. Otherwise, you're always welcome to follow along on the screen. Uh, I think they should have it online as well for you. And it says in verse 37, even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, so they saw these signs, they still would not believe in him. So John 20, uh, later uh, in the book, verse 31 says that this book, the book of John, was written so that you may believe. And yet, people here are not believing. So even after all these signs that we've seen, if you've been with us uh, in this series in the Gospel of John that we started this fall, you might remember some of these signs. In John chapter 2, Jesus turned water into wine. In John chapter 4, he healed the son of a royal official at the exact moment that he asked for Jesus' help. And then he also heals a man at a pool. He feeds 5,000 people with hardly any uh, food. He walks on water in John chapter 6. I've never walked on water. Well, frozen water, but... Uh, he heals a man born blind in John chapter 9 and gets a lot of flack for that. And most recently in John chapter 11, he raises 
Lazarus from the dead. Even after all these miracles, and John says that even if you wrote down all the things that Jesus said, not you, you couldn't essentially record all of them in the books. Uh, so there's probably many more th- things than just these. Uh, it says that they did not believe, even after seeing and hearing all these things. And the question is, why? Why didn't people believe? They literally saw with their eyes these things. Well, John is actually quick to answer this question, so we're in luck. He actually gives us three reasons. Uh, so in verse 38, it says, This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, which says, Lord, who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? So this is a quote from Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1. And it fits into the larger narrative of what Isaiah is doing and talking about. So he has a message of hope and a message of judgment. Should have said that the other way around. He has a message of judgment and a message of hope. Uh, in verse 1 through 9, uh, one, chapters 1 through 39, it's a lot about the judgment of God and what they're going to experience. But in chapter 40, things change a little bit, and he starts talking about hope. And in chapters 52 and 53, where this comes from, it, talks, it starts talking about a God servant who will bring hope, who will be raised up, who will be lifted high, who will be highly exalted. And this God servant will rule over all of the nations and he will save them. But in the same section, it also talks about the fact that this God servant will be appalling to many people, will be literally ugly. The appearance will be something that people won't want to look at. And he'll sort of look weak. And as you think about a king and who you want to follow, you don't want to follow a dead king or a weak king. You want a strong king who can help you. But Isaiah has this unique thing to say about this God servant. He says it's by his wounds that we will be healed. That's a little strange. And by quoting this, John is essentially saying that Jesus is this God servant that Isaiah was talking about. And we can see this in John chapter 11. Jesus has just raised Lazarus from the dead. And then starting in uh, the beginning of chapter 12, our chapter today, verses 1 through 11, Mary anoints Jesus with some expensive perfume. It's an act that symbolizes kingship. And then in verses 12 through 19, Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey what we know now is Palm Sunday. And so on some level, it totally makes sense. He's riding in as a king, but on another level, it's a little weird. Why is he riding in on a donkey? That doesn't show power. It seems weak. And then in verses 20 through 36, Jesus predicts that he's going to die using some of the language that we see in Isaiah chapter 53. The Son of Man must be lifted up. But he also talks about his death. It's so confusing. It's not what people expected. And I think it's one of the reasons why people don't believe in God. Because God isn't who they expect. Or he doesn't fit the expectations that they have for what a God should be like. 
And I've talked to people who struggle with this today. How can God allow this to happen? Or how can God, God create a world that has this thing in it, this atrocity? It makes sense. John gives us another reason in verse 39. For this reason, they could not believe. Because as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts. So they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts, nor turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah says this because he saw God's glory and spoke about him. So now this quotation uh, comes from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. And uh, Isaiah 6 is the story of Isaiah's calling to ministry. It's the story, if you grew up with this, he says, Here am I, send me. This is the story that this comes out of. And it's a word of warning of what will happen to the people of Israel if they don't listen to Isaiah's words. If they refuse to obey so in both Isaiah and John, hearing and seeing are equated with obedience or belief. And here in John, this is a warning of what will happen to those who refuse to believe and obey Jesus. So belief is about trusting. It's about uh, trusting that Jesus and God and living the Jesus way. It's about seeing Jesus for who he is, seeing that he is God, fully God and fully man, and obeying his commands. And I think it's another reason why people don't believe. They don't like that God would require a change of them. And I've heard people talk about this. I've heard people say something like, well, there may be a God, but I don't want to have that God telling me what I have to do with my life. Or I don't want to change my life. And I can understand this too. Sometimes when God invites me to do something, I don't want to do it. Well, the third reason is completely different. Uh, in verse 42, it says, Yet at the same time, even many among the leaders believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than praise from God. So I have to say, I get this too. The need for human approval is really strong. And to be rejected by your community, nobody wants to be rejected by their community. That's not fun. And I think it's why God calls us to create a community with, that loves people unconditionally. We want to be a community where people don't have to believe to be a part of our community. And you shouldn't expect that everybody in this room or everybody online or everybody that's part of our church believes in Jesus. The end of John chapter 12 uh, marks the close of Jesus' public ministry, where it says in verse 44, Jesus cries out, Whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me 
should stay in darkness. If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his commands lead to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. This is the beauty of Jesus. Jesus embodies who God is on earth. This is what verses 44 and 45 are talking about. And again, it's what 49 uh, through 50 are indicating. Jesus and God are one and the same person. When you look at how Jesus lived his life, you get a sense of who God is. You get a sense of what God cares about. Jesus has come into the world as the light of the world to illuminate the darkness. So we think about some of the evil in this world. God, Jesus exposes that. And some people don't like that. People don't like when their evil deeds are exposed. Jesus has really high standards for living. But Jesus also offers abundant grace. And his words bring eternal life. For the person who fails to live up to God's standards but wants to, Jesus has abundant grace. He doesn't reject them. Check out verse 47. But for the person who does reject Jesus' commands, they've chosen to reject Jesus, and therefore God lets them go. That's the kind of love that God has for people. Following Jesus is about a desire to obey God's words. But not everyone wants to be saved. God invites the church to create a community that mirrors the Jesus way. A community that speaks words of truth and love and loves unconditionally. That's what we're trying to do here. People want to be a part of something that brings goodness, that brings flourishing. And if you're struggling to believe because God doesn't seem to fit what you expect a God should be like, I'm sorry. My hope is that we can be a community where we show you that God is a God that's worthy of, of being followed. I also want to say that you're welcome. We want to welcome you if you're there, wherever you are. I can't speak for everyone, but I can understand that we all struggle from time to time. I struggle why God doesn't do this or that in my life or other people's lives. And it doesn't always fit what I think God should do. I also want to say if you're struggling to believe because you don't want to change your life or something, uh, you don't want to give up your way of life, I get it. Sometimes I don't want to make sacrifices for God. But my hope is that we can be a community that shares stories of how when we do sacrifice, that God somehow shows up in amazing ways and does amazing things. And we can share story after story of God's faithfulness 
when we choose to sacrifice. Lastly, if you're struggling to believe because uh, other people around you don't believe, I hope that we can be a community that loves you no matter what. And that we can be an encouragement to you. That there are people who are following God and find it fulfilling and they do it in community. God is inviting us to be a community that helps people wrestle with their belief in Jesus. So let's be that community. Let's mirror the way of Jesus. Let's help people wrestle with their belief in Jesus. Let's let them be where they are on their journey and let's share the truth of Jesus. As I think about this passage, part of what Jesus is doing is he's sharing the truth with people. And so can we be a church that shares the truth of God with other people? We need to be a a community that shares God's love, God's message of love for all people, and includes a desire for flourishing. And sometimes it includes a word of warning. And so a question for each of us to ask ourselves this week is, who do you know that needs to hear the words of Jesus this week? And who could you share that with this week? The second thing I think I see Jesus doing is loving people unconditionally. Jesus doesn't judge people for where they're at. He invites them to follow him. He didn't condemn people who failed to live up to his standards and his commands, but he did invite them to live up to them. So how can we, how can you demonstrate God's unconditional love this week to someone? I was listening to uh, a podcast this week by uh, Phil Vischer, uh, the creator of VeggieTales, and he interviewed uh, a guy named Rob Reiner. Anybody know who Rob Reiner is? All right, some of you older people, some of you younger people, you might be familiar with some of Rob Reiner's work. Uh, He uh, has made a lot of movies. Uh, Some of them would be like The Princess Bride, When Harry Met Sally. Uh, Yeah, there's a few others out there. He's made a lot of movies. Anyway, in the interview, Rob shares about a time when he was going through what he would describe as a dark journey of the soul. And during that time, he did a ton of reading. He read books on Christianity, Judaism, Muslim, uh, Hinduism, and he was on a journey of trying to figure out what he believed. And what he said is what spoke to him most were the teachings of Jesus. But Rob Reiner still doesn't believe and follow Jesus today. And I wonder what would happen if Rob were to be a part of a community that loved him and helped him wrestle with his belief in Jesus. As the interview finished, Rob exclaimed how great the conversation was that he got to have with Phil. In fact, Phil literally had a hard time finishing the conversation because Rob kept wanting to say more things and talk more with Phil. And when it did finally finish up, Rob was like, we got to do the, like round two of this. We got to do this again sometime. That's the kind of community that I want to create for us here at this church. That we can have those kinds of conversations that people are intrigued and want to keep talking about Jesus and wrestle with their belief in Jesus. So let's pray. God, thanks for your word. 
thinks that you came down and showed us all of these amazing miracles. You lived your life caring and loving for people. And yet, some people didn't believe in you. And God, some of us have experienced you in such a way that we want everybody to know about you and to follow you because we've experienced the goodness of following you. But others have not experienced that. And so, Lord, we want to create a community. Help us to create a community where we can invite people to struggle with their belief in you and to experience your goodness. We pray these things in your name. Amen.